the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to support your company and your employees now and in the future. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week we're escaping the studio to take a tour of Capital Dock on Sir John Rogerson's Quay. It's the tallest residential building in Dublin and it's been developed by global real estate investment group Kennedy Wilson in partnership with NAMA at a cost of hundreds of millions of euro. Two office blocks next door form part of the development along with some acreage for public spaces and a playground. Standing at 79 metres tall, Capital Dock has taken over from the Elysian in Cork as the tallest building in the country and it has sky-high rents to match. A two-bedroom apartment in the block here will cost from €3,300 a month. If you want a penthouse on the top floor, you'll have to part with twenty grand a month. On the plus side, it's smartly furnished with top-class ancillary facilities and it offers superb views of Dublin's Docklands and beyond. Recently, I was invited to look around Capital Lock with Ali Rowan, head of Kennedy Wilson Ireland, and Peter Collins, president of Kennedy Wilson Europe. You'll hear from them as to why Capital Lock justifies these saucy rents, and they'll also explain how it fits into Dublin's much maligned private rental sector and offer their views on how to solve the current housing crisis. Now, we've just arrived into the Capital Docks, the new Capital Docks building in Dublin's Grand Canal Quay area, and I'm joined by Ali Rohn, who's head of Kennedy Wilson in Ireland, and Kennedy Wilson has been developing this block, and Ali, I think you're going to show us the amenities uh, as the first part of our journey around this building. Absolutely, and welcome to Capital Dock residents. Um, Shall we head on up? The amenities I'm about to see are Capital Lock's other major selling point, aside from its prime location near some of Dublin's most high-profile employers. On the first floor, there's a complex of shared facilities for residents, the like of which you'd expect to find in a hotel. This is a truly unique offering here. Just the whole feeling of space. You've got the double-height atrium. We spent a lot of time designing it, that you have the cantilever staircase, as well as um, the architectural design of the Carrera marble floor, which carries out throughout In terms of if you're a resident arriving in, you would be met by one of our concierge team um, who will be designed sort of there to look after every need. As we come up the stairs now, we are faced with the management suite, which uh, is open eight in the morning till seven in the evening, uh, five days a week, whereas our concierge is here seven days a week, seven till 11. Uh, So this is the backbone of the building here. So what does the concierge do? What, What kind of services do they offer? people who are staying here? Everything you'd expect in a five-star hotel. Uh, Booking your taxis, booking restaurants. Uh, If you get packages, they'll be delivered to your room. Um, Really, we're, you know, the reason we've taken, sort of, looked to find um, personnel that have worked in the five-star industry, Uni, who you've already met, uh, was working in the marker. We've had, um, and from that point of view, we wanted to make sure that whatever is requested, no matter how bizarre, that it can be accommodated and will be dealt with. Um, Shall we go through now to the the lounges? The idea, as you can see by the big comfy couches, is that you could sit here, uh, look at a match, um, chat with your other residents of the building. Um, And then on our left here is... Who decides what what goes on the TV? Who has the remote control? (laughs) Well, what we've done in other schemes is we've done surveys of what people want. So there will be. If nobody's here, obviously you can do what you like. Uh, But we have done surveys, for instance, Man United matches is Uh, one thing. And this here now, which can be closed off, or indeed if there is a big party being looked at, it could be all they all go into one, is this is a quiet room where there's no TV, as you can tell, and you'll be able to sort of sit sit and read. So this is the chef's kitchen, as we call it, 
and it's been designed that there can be demonstrations by chefs, which we run in our schemes throughout the year as one of the events. But also, if you wanted to entertain some of your pals, you could actually come in here and have a dinner party, book it out for an evening. Um, and, you know, from that perspective, it's, that's why I think one of the reasons why the community space is so important, because you've got people who are sharing that they actually want to be able to have space on their own. And we're looking out the window here onto what looks like a, a public area. There's a bit of construction going on, but there are some public benches and it's, it's, it's concreted as well. Just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. This is part of the overall external amenities. There's one and a half acres. There is an acre of a parkland, which will have a kids' play area. And then right in front of us, as you mentioned, uh, we have half an acre here that is a public square, which is the heart of the overall. And it'll be critical that, from our point of view, that it's vibrant. We'll be looking to run a number of events throughout the year. Cinema Screen can go over here and um, have events below us was the retail and we'll have outdoor eating and seating and then here we have our um, I suppose it's Fiesta La Resistance in terms of the retail it's a standalone building um, it looks like a red steel shit. building <laughs> yeah. that's what it's designed to be yeah uh, and you can imagine if you're sitting out in the summer on one of the big terraces there sure. and having a bit of food and drinks having sort of um, fun yeah. So why bother with communal lounges? Why just not build more apartments? It's not the way we're going. We feel that the, you know, it's, it's changing. People demand more. People are busy. They need convenience. Um, I think the community is an important part of it. Uh, just as we're looking at spending, we possibly could have got another block on the, uh, on the one and a half acres. But for us, it was building. It had to be a big, generous space and building the, the placemaking of the community. So we feel actually it's critical to the success of future schemes that we do provide this space and that it is vibrant. So we're now coming into the gym area. So for those gym bunnies, uh, as you can see, we have no shortage of equipment uh, actually, this is probably bigger than most five-star hotels, this gym. It's all pristine uh, at the minute, but I'm, I'm sure in no time at all it'll, it'll all be looking uh, very worked out. So we're now in the cinema room, uh, which in most of our schemes is one of the most popular spaces. As you can see, there's comfortable armchairs for about 16 people, uh, and we have popcorn evenings. So once a week there will always be a film that's been shown sort of for sort of adults, so to speak, from a timing perspective. And then during the day, we would have things running for uh, kids or um, depending on what people want, or they can just book it out. And just on that point, Ali, how many families do you expect to move in here? Uh, well, it's, it's varied from scheme to scheme. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. I mean, you have got two playgrounds. You've got Sandy Mount Strand and you have got, um, you know, the, the games will, and things will be running here. Um, say in Vantage we have 25% somehow we have a lot less so I think time will tell but we've had quite a few viewings of, of families to date so um, I don't see why we wouldn't be in line with the rest of our scheme and then finally to, to finish off our amenities is the business suite this has been an interesting play for us we've found for instance in Clancy Barracks uh, that it's booked out all the time. I think when you look at the rise of the way businesses are working now, they're expecting people to work from home two to three days a week, um, one, well, one to three days a week. And uh, from that point of view, we see these being booked out all the time. I was, I was talking to a resident in Clancy about a couple of weeks ago and asking them, you know, why, why do they use this all the time? They have to work from home and effectively um, they've got a kid in their apartment and to try and get peace and quiet, they, they feel that they can come down here. And as you can see on our left here, 
we have a meeting room, again, which you can book out or organise meetings if you're working from home. Do people have to pay for this facility? No, no this is included in the and overall. is there free Wi-Fi down here? Free Wi-Fi, yeah. There's, um, all the amenities have Wi-Fi throughout. Now, I'm also joined by uh, Peter Collins, who's president of Kennedy Wilson Europe. And Peter, we have this residential scheme here, but it's not just about the residential on, on this site. You also developed some offices next door. Yeah, that's correct, Kieran. And I mean, I suppose if you went back to, you know, really 2013, when we got, you know, acquired this site, uh, you know, our vision then, you know, we, we could see the Irish market recovering. Um, and we were very confident in that. But what we did see was that Dublin was very underserved by, you know, a, a real international quality mixed-use scheme. And, you know, I thought we felt Dublin needed to really up its game in that regard. And I think Capital Dock is one of those schemes that's done that. And, and to be fair, I think a lot of our peers in Dublin have also upped their game. And I think the city is looking a lot better than it did uh, five years ago. So, you know, what's, a, what's a, an international quality mixed-use scheme? It's a combination of offices, residential, retail. And, you know, we've got these great public amenities here in terms of an acre and a half of, of, of public square that everyone in Dublin is going to get the opportunity to enjoy. And, you know, I think we're looking across the square there. I think you can imagine next summer when all those restaurants are open, people will be sitting outside, hopefully in another great summer, uh, enjoying a meal, enjoying a beer maybe in, 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 the, in the, the, the new, uh, uh, new, new restaurants that we're, we're going to open. I think it's going to be a great new public space and a whole new city quarter. Now, Peter, a lot of people might realise that NAMA is actually... a, a the partner of yours in this whole scheme. Yeah. I think they own 15, 16 correct, percent. Yeah. Now, we also know that NAMA is in wind down effectively. Mm. It's due, I think, to finish its operations in yeah. 2020 or thereabouts. Mm. Um, so, what happens to its shareholding? Uh, are you guys interested in buying it? Does it go in the market? What happens? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're absolutely correct. Obviously, NAMA, NAMA became a shareholder because uh, they, they effectively contributed uh, what was known as the old U2. Uh, tower uh, area uh, to, to this project and we worked with them on the master plan and then through the planning and then they, then they became formally part of the, the partnership here. So at the moment I, I think all the partners are very focused on uh, finishing the scheme and we're you know within a month of that and then getting it fully commercialised. NAMA obviously has a, a statutory date of I think 2020 when it has to wind down so we'll sit down with them over the next little while and figure out how they want to create an exit for themselves out, out of this particular uh, partnership. Uh, from Kennedy Wilson's point of view, we're certainly going to be here for the long term. We're going to stay here and, and we see great value to be uh, derived by managing this estate over the next, you know, 20 years. Right, let's have a walk around the rest of it and maybe have a look at the bedrooms. Doors Have people already moved in? No. no. no we, well, we really only started marketing it sort mm. of um, early this year now. So we have a lot of viewings. I mean, we've had probably through, we've probably had nearly... 50 people through in the last two weeks um, and um, you know we have a couple of reservations so it's just getting through the paperwork now. So we're now on the third floor and thought you might like to see one of our standard two-bed apartments. It's just shy, it's about 980 square feet. We have 150 two-beds and we have three penthouses and eight three-beds. And again, you, what you'll see is large floor-to-ceiling heights, the wide corridors. So here we have views over the north docks. And one thing that I don't know if it struck you is, even at this level and the lower levels, is the, the quality of the views. You don't have to be up at the 10th, 15th floor to actually get them. 85% of our apartments are dual aspect. So for most part, you'll, everybody will have at least one, if not two, views. Uh, this is a more compact unit. We're looking at... You know, around 3,800 um, per month for this unit. What kind of profit do you make on something like this? 
I couldn't be saying that. <laughs> um, you know, we've, it's mixed uses. I mean, everybody's talked about when, the, when it comes into resi, you know, it's, a, it's more of a challenge than the offices. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're thankfully, you know, we've got a good mix across all our portfolios and uh, we're certainly very excited about this scheme because it will be our best scheme. But, you know, the services we're providing are second to none. And what, do you, what exactly do you get for 3,800? Sure. Well, you've got, as we saw, the resident amenity is going through. So it's five-star living for a start. Uh, what we've really focused on is the lifestyle. Uh, so when you're coming in, you're met by a concierge, uh, you get your apartment. But the way people are living has totally changed. You know, the four walls of your apartment are no longer your home. It's actually the whole development. So what you're looking so that's why we feel it's so important to have the scale um, of the amenities so that people can get to use them. Now, for €3,800 a month, you might expect a parking space thrown in, but that'll cost you another €150 a month. But according to Ali, there's not much demand for cars in Kennedy Wilson's other schemes, with residents preferring to use public transport to hail a taxi or to walk to wherever they need to be. And Capital Lock features another innovation, electric cars in the basement that are available for all residents to rent. I think, you know, with the way people are re-looking at their lifestyles now, they don't re- a lot don't really want to own, particularly if they're international. Uh, so the idea to be able to rent your apartment, rent your car as you wish, rent your bike, use amenities, you don't have to join a gym, you've got it here. We see that'll be sort of critical to the sort of the future of uh, designs in Dublin. We're actually adding an additional level of service here called a serviced offering. So the normal offering, people would, when they would move in, they would move in, they would, you'd see, they would get all the furniture here, you, you see, but they would tend to bring their own bed clothes, towels, etc., um, you know, kitchenware. Uh, so we will be offering a fully serviced offering as well, so that if someone wants to literally arrive with, the, with their briefcase, the apartment is ready to go. Uh, so I think that's something that we, we think there'll be a big demand for, particularly for you know, the more senior executives coming from abroad, that they, you know, they're just going to arrive in suitcase and the apartment is, is fully set up for them and they're, they're good to go. It's time now for a short break. When I return, we'll take a lift to the top floor at Capital Dock and I'll ask Peter Collins whether such an exclusive scheme is right for a city in the grips of a housing shortage. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. This week, we're taking a tour of Capital Dock, Dublin's newest and highest residential property development. Earlier, I got a tour of the block's standard apartments and the shared facilities. It's now time to take the lift to the 22nd floor to see what is probably Ireland's most expensive apartment for rent. We've now reached the 22nd floor and we are going to go into the penthouse, uh, which is one of three penthouses we have overall. And as you can see, the view is staggering. One thing that has certainly struck us as we have uh, people walk in is being able to see not only east all the way through down to Dublin Port, but also west all the way up the Liffey, which will take you right up to Houston Station. It's quite a breathtaking view. We're very high up and you really can see everything that's going on. So Ali, I mean, this is obviously a step up from what we've seen before. It looks like a much bigger footprint. Um, you might just talk to us about uh, the ceilings, the square footage or square meterage 
of this uh, apartment and also the fact that it seems to have a window in every corner. Yes. Um, this finally actually has views on three sides other than where we came through the door. It's just shy of 2,000 square feet. And as you'll see, the main entrance here, we've all the way through, as we saw on the floors below, feeling a space is the most important thing. So the tall floor to ceiling heights here is 2.7 metres, which um, is way above the average of 2.4, 2.5 and effectively you are then going into a double height in the lounge kitchen area. So we've got a double bed facing down the Liffey towards Liberty Hall. Um, there's a double, a very large double window here, so a fabulous view whenever you wake up in the morning. And on the right hand side we can see across to the North Docks where there's a site that's been demolished and obviously ready for refurbishment. And we've got the Gibson Hotel, the Tree Arena, that's, that's off to the right. I mean these are pretty spectacular views. And we can see Croke Park off in the distance as well. Absolutely. And as we go into the lounge as well, mm. you'll see, you know, Hoth right down Sandy Mount and to the Dublin Mountains. Um, and if we walk through here, you'll see, again, it's the idea of space. You've got the built-in wardrobes uh, with a view again north. Um, and then what we would consider a very generous bathroom, um, you know, Carrera marbles on the, on the walls, um, double sinks. Um, I don't think you'll get much better than this. It's pretty unique for the Dublin market. And the, the main facility in this bathroom is positioned right beside the window, so yes. whenever somebody is doing their business, they'll have a fantastic view. Yeah, there are blinds. What's going on? So, uh, exactly. But there's nothing will pass you that you won't see what's yeah. going on. The good, the good news is that other people won't have a fantastic view of that, which is, uh, which is good. If you look now, right just down below us here, this is where the new bridge is going to connect over um, to bring you to where the glass bottle site is at present. So this will be a traffic bridge? It'll be a traffic bridge. Um, at the moment, it's planned to be public traffic only, but it's been designed that it could be both. And that's going to be a critical uh, piece of infrastructure for not only the South Docks, but even for people connecting either north to the airport, north Dublin, or even going south. Because, I mean, from here, if you're walking, it's only about 15 minutes to Sandy Mount. Whereas, obviously, if you're driving, it's, it's quite a circuitous route at present. So from not only for the purposes of this particular scheme, but the South Docks, it is, it'll be fantastic when that's opening, which was due to be 2020. It looks like it's probably early 2021 at this stage. What's your favourite view? Um, I actually love the port. I think there's just so much going on. We didn't mention that if you think of the history of here, that um, the port was actually built between seven, that have started in the 1700s. And it originally was the entrance. Sir John Rodgenson's key was the entrance into Dublin as a whole. So um, when the ships were coming in, it was how they expanded the coal and the gas business. And it's kind of interesting. Our first building we ever bought as Kennedy Wilson, you can see here, was the old gasometer, uh, which is opposite Google. Um, and the, uh, the gas would have been pumped from here, piped right through to that building where it would have been stored. So yeah, sure. an interesting piece of history. Peter, we might bring you in at this point. Um, 2,000 square metres, it's a very fine apartment, exposed brick, lovely views, etc. What's the price for all of this? This, this, is the, this is the top of the house, so this is the 22nd floor, so this is going to be €20,000 uh, a month. Per month. Per right. month, yeah. So clearly aimed at the, the very top end of the market. Okay, now that's a lot of money. So who are you expecting to rent an apartment like this? I mean, I think for the penthouses, you're probably really talking about a, a corporate renting it for, you know, for one of their senior executives. I think that's what's marketed at it. And, and I suppose when we looked at equivalents in other cities, I mean, I think this is what we see in, say, in London, New York, where, 
you've got maybe top banking executives or tech executives that are kind of maybe coming into Dublin, spending a year or two. This is the type of facility that their companies are looking for for them, you know, that they can use for entertaining, that they can, uh, you know, that it is comparable to the type of accommodation their executives are getting in, in the big international cities because that's what Dublin is competing with now, you know, as, as you can see in terms of the type of companies coming in here. So what would you expect to pay for a similar facility, let's say, in Manhattan or in London or Paris? Well, I mean, I think in London it, it's very, very common, you know, for your, your more standard two, three-bedroom apartment in London could be, uh, you know, 10 a month. And that's not a penthouse, you know, of 2,000 square metres. It's more like a 1,000 square foot standard two-bed, you know, good, I would say, two-bed in the city centre in London is going to be over two and a half a week is the way they price them in, in, in London. So call that 10 grand a month. So, you know, when you look at our standard two beds, uh, which we've seen, uh, you know, being around the 4,000 mark on average, we think that's going to be perceived by the international people, certainly, who are coming into Dublin as relatively good value. Right. Are you setting a new benchmark for Dublin? Uh, we will probably for the penthouses, I think, but again, as I said, it's a pretty, pretty unique uh, building and that you're the highest building in Ireland. Uh, but really for the, for the um, they say, the more standard two-bed here, which really range from about three and a half to four, um, I think that there are other, other people in, in the city, uh, in Ballsbridge and in, in Docklands, at comparable rents. But obviously it's, it's controversial at the minute, the price of rents, they've shot up sure, yeah. over the last few years. And you guys are in the crosshairs of policymakers, not just Kennedy Wilson, mm. but all of the built-to-rent operators mm. in the market here. And there are quite a few of them now, you're not, yeah. you're not alone. Yeah. And the rents being charged are saucy, I think yeah, it's yeah. fair to say. Yeah. Um, is this good value? I think it's good value, but I mean, we, I mean, we're very conscious that you know there is there is a whole element of the market that are finding rents very unaffordable, and there is an affordability challenge in Ireland, undoubtedly. I mean, it's interesting to us actually that in our business in California, we have about twenty five thousand units uh, in California. The biggest growth part of our business there is the affordable. We're building more affordable units in California than we are market related units, and that is primarily because. Uh, you know, between the federal and the state government there, they have quite a good scheme for, for affordable rental. And we think that's something, you know, that will probably need to come in in Ireland. I think, uh, you know, if you look at the housing market, there's two problems. There's an availability problem, as in there's not enough uh, housing units, and there's an affordability problem. I think the availability problem, although frustratingly slow to be dealt with, I think for everybody, particularly if you don't have a house, I think that's going to get dealt with. Like, you know, we're, we're now building closer to 20,000 units per annum. They're kind of saying 30,000 is what you need. But the affordability is the real challenge, long-term challenge for the city uh, and for the country. And I think we need to, we need to be a lot more innovative in how we, uh, how we tackle that. So what kind of people can afford your apartments? I mean, our, our apartments range, our two-bed apartments across our portfolio are ranging anything from about 1,800 euros per month for two-bed to, to here. So we're covering quite a big range, uh, you know, in, say in our Vantage scheme, which is a very good scheme, about uh, 25% of the people are actually students, 25% are family. Uh, so we're seeing quite a, quite a mix, but, you know, we're definitely uh, aiming more for that middle, uh, middle, middle upper end of the market at the moment. And that's where affordability is, you know, where people can afford at the moment, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here it's just shy, it is, what, roughly 40 grand a year let's say, yeah. and after-tax income is what yeah. you're going to pay in rent for your, yeah. your standard yeah. two-bed apartment. Yeah. So who, who are you expecting to afford that? Is it Irish 
people? Is it people coming in um, to work in Ireland from abroad? I, I think it'll be a mix. I mean, across our portfolio at the moment, we have about 60% are coming in from, our, from abroad. So the majority of those are, are coming from the Eurozone countries. Uh, maybe about 10% coming from North America. So I, I think that mix will certainly hold here and we may even have a higher percentage of, of non, non-residents uh, coming in into this uh, particular area. But I think what we will find is, you know, as a general trend, what we're seeing is people want to live in the city centre again. And there is an urbanisation going on. You know, we see this in Los Angeles, we see it in Seattle, we see it in a lot of uh, markets we're very active in. And I think people are wanting to come back to the city centre. You know, maybe people who've, who've retired like the idea of getting back and living in the city and living that city life. So I think it'll be a, it'll be a mix of, of people coming in from abroad who are working. We saw the Salesforce announcement yesterday, you know, 1,500 new jobs. If you look at everything that's been created here in, in, in North Docks, there's going to be about 20,000 new jobs being created here for, the, for what's been built. So I think it'll be a combination of local people taking some of those jobs and, and wanting to, to live close by and then uh, people coming in from abroad. And there are two office, offices as part of this development that you've completed, uh, one bought by JP Morgan, one rented to uh, Indeed. Are they going to be tenants of yours here? I, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if there weren't a few, uh, few of their employees uh, here. I, we'd certainly like to see them. And, uh, and they're, they're obviously going to be about 5,000 office workers working in the Capital Dock estate, so I'd be surprised if a few of them uh, aren't staying here. Yeah. And I know that there is a, a piece of land uh, close by, just on the, the far side. I'm, I'm pointing towards the Aviva Stadium. Yeah. It's just on the far side there, which you co-own with NAM and you're planning to develop. What's going to go on there? Yeah, on the, on the kind of the south side of Three Lock Square. Three Lock Square is the new square we've created. It's a public amenity. And the final piece of that to be developed is, is uh, on a, a building called uh, Ten Hanover Quay, which will be a, a refurbishment of an old uh, warehouse, uh, which uh, opens out onto Hanover Quay and then onto on the south side and then onto uh, uh, Three Lock Square on, on the north side. And that'll be about a 69,000 square foot uh, office. And we're just going on site literally this quarter and hoping to deliver that in uh, about uh, 21 months' time. What's the total development cost of this site, Peter? It's not a figure we've given out, but, um, you know, if you were to look on average, you know, this kind of mixed-use scheme, you're probably talking in pure construction costs, uh, probably anywhere between 350 euros and 400 euros a square foot. So this is about 700,000 square foot. So you're talking several hundred millions of construction cost alone. And on top of that, obviously, you've got land costs, you've got, uh, you know, professional fees costs, you've got levies, uh, you've got finance costs, tenant costs. So... We're, it's a very big, it's a very big sum. Are there any social units uh, involved in this uh, scheme? Any yeah. social or affordable units? Yeah, I mean, we had a Part Five requirement here, and what we've done is that we're also developing another uh, scheme called Clancy uh, Clancy Barracks, which I think you're probably familiar with. And what we've done there is satisfy our Part Five requirement uh, on this site and Clancy by giving uh, the city a block on one of our other schemes. So we've given them a bigger block and given them units. Uh, units uh, that scheme probably more quickly uh, and and more units in fact that they would have been entitled to had they looked to satisfy it at each individual scheme okay where's that scheme that scheme is in it's in herberton scheme it's a, it's in rialto near the Ch- near children's hospital okay and how many units um i think we're i'm, I, I'm speaking from memory but i think about 40 units and again you know a lot of policymakers uh, would say oh, this is typical, here's this big fancy building that uh, Kennedy Wilson has constructed in Capital yeah. Docks, and they've, yeah. they're getting around their part five by offering units in Rialto in Dublin. 
Yeah, and I, and I think it's important to realise it's the city's choice. I mean, obviously, if they wanted to take them here, they would, they would have taken them here. I think they're probably looking, as I can see from policy out of the city, they are looking ideally to, to get full blocks uh, where they can kind of get more scale uh, for, for, those, for those social housing units because I think they find them operationally that's much more effective for the city to manage. So the city could, certainly has, had, has the choice of taking them here. Or it, has, or it can take them in on other options that they, they, they work with developers like ourselves on. In this particular case, they've taken them beside the New Children's Hospital, which I think is a cracking location that's on the, on the uh, tram line, etc. So I think that's a great location. Yeah, mind you, it'll be a few years before we have the Children's Hospital open. But anyway, well, that's a separate, that's that's a a separate, separate story. Mark, yeah. Who builds those units? Is it Kennedy Wilson? Is it We've the city? We've units and they're ready to go and ready to be occupied. So I think that was one of the... Um, one of the um, attractions to the city, they were getting those units much more quickly than they would have otherwise got had they waited for us to be completing the uh, schemes I mentioned. Now there's huge demand, Peter, for people to buy homes uh, mm -hmm. in Dublin in particular. So why are you building to rent rather than building to sell? I mean, I think we see, I mean, it's, it's our business model, I suppose. We, we, we're long-term investors, so, and, and, you know, I suppose we're coming from an American heritage where the rental market is very institutional and has been part of the housing solution in the US. And certainly, you know, I think I think it's accepted now by nearly everybody here in Ireland that rental is part of the long-term solution. Uh, and I think it's also accepted that institutionally owned and professionally managed rental is probably helping the market. And it's certainly helping it at a number of levels, not only bringing in, you know, giving accommodation for people coming in from abroad, but also for, for the local market as well. So I think it's just part of the, the, the new way we should be looking at the housing market. And just in terms of the overall rental market, what's your view on where it's going to go from here? Because there have been some substantial increases of community market over the past five or six years yeah. since we came out of our bailout and the economy started yeah. to take off again. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we can see that rent control, you know, the rent controls they brought in are working. We see it across our portfolio. So, uh, you know, our, our uh, you know, that is, you know, curtailing our rent, rent increases. Obviously, the market has grown at a higher rate than, than the rent, so the rent control is effectively what's capping rents. But I mean, longer term, our view has always been that rents are only going to grow uh, in line with uh, wage growth in an economy. That's, that's a sustainable business model. And that's what we expect, you know, over when we look at things over the next 10 years is the way where we look at things. That's the kind of, you know, we expect rent, you know, wages to grow two, three, you know, percent across the economy. They're probably growing actually higher than that at the moment. But that's, you know, what we would expect. And that's how we, how we see rents growing. What's the Kennedy Wilson plan for Ireland? How big is your portfolio here at the minute? Including this building we're standing in now, we have about 2,200 built units, and then we're on site, and either on site or in, in, this, in some stage of design, of about another 1,300 units. So we've, we can see about 3,500 units at the moment. Our immediate goal would be to try and get that to about 5,000 units. Um, so you know, we have a little bit to go yet, and we're, we're, we're very keen to, to keep investing. And I know the term vulture fund, which is thrown around by certain people, is one that uh, irks you. But is, is Kennedy Wilson here for the long term or is, or is this a, a medium term play? I think we're here for the long term. It's, it's you know, I think we've, we've said that so often to people. And, you know, if, if I look at the businesses we have else, you know, elsewhere around the world, you know, in the US, we've, we've been around since the mid-1970s. We went into the Japanese market in, in early 1990s and we're still there. It was out in our office there a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, we're going to be here in Ireland in 20, 30 years' time. There's no doubt about that. And what kind of level of income are you generating now out of Ireland? What percentage of your overall global portfolio would that be? Um, I just, I mean, roughly speaking, uh, you know, about half of our global income is, is coming out of Europe. And, you know, a little less than half is coming out of Ireland. So, you know, just about a quarter of our, our global income. 
And finally, Peter, just in terms of the housing crisis, everybody's looking for a solution. Uh, lots of them have been thrown around. You're somebody who's uh, very experienced in this market now. What would you say to the government in terms of how they might go about solving the housing crisis and how long do you think it'll take? I said, I think, the, the, as I said before, there's, there's, there's two issues. One is availability, uh, and that's really what government is focused on at the moment. So there are people, you know, in a, you know, the, the terrible position of not being, being in houses. So we've got to solve that first. And I think, you know, the estimates are we need to be building about 35,000 units a year to solve that crisis. We're, we're getting close to that run rate at the moment. If you look at the last quarter, we're building about 6,000 in, 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 in quarter four, we're just gone by in 2018. So we're kind of at an annualised rate of about 25,000. And that has really come up from about 3,000 uh, in, in the previous year. So you can see it's beginning to build up. I mean, what happened in the, in the country is we stopped building for five or six years, and a lot of the people who were capable of building, who had the infrastructure to build, weren't, weren't then available to us, I suppose, as a country to get that going. So we've had to get new people in, they've had to acquire land, they've had to build up their infrastructure. So it's been slow to rebuild, and as I said, frustratingly slow if you're, if you're waiting for a house. So I think that will get, that will get uh, uh, solved. Uh, it may take another number of years, but it will get solved. As I said, I think the bigger issue, the long-term issue as a nation we need to work on is affordability, and that's an issue in every country in the world, in every city in the world, you know, where, you know, cost of construction, the cost of land has just been outpacing, you know, wage growth, and that's something, you know, it's a big subject, uh, but uh, that, is a, that is a challenge we need to get on top of. Yeah, because we're building hotels, we're building offices, we're building to rent, but we're just not building enough to sell. Yeah, and I think the, I mean, I think, you know, it's a good point if you look, um, you know, if you look at the amount of offices we've been capable of delivering in, in, in the city, you know, you just have to stand here and look around, uh, you know, it, it's clearly been the economics that has driven that. So when we got, when rents reverted back to, say, 45 euros a square foot, you know, in, in they had fallen below down the, at the worst time in 2011-12 to about 27 euros a square foot. They then have, then they came back relatively quickly. And once it kind of got to that mid-40s level, people started, you know, became viable to build offices again. And you can see that the, the, the market reacted and we were able to produce offices. I think part of the challenge in the residential sector has been it's not, you know, viability is still a problem. Um, and, uh, you know, people don't like to hear that, but it is the reality that, you know, not all housing is, is viable for developers. So that's where it's important government steps in. And it's important we activate all sections of the market, the rental section, the for, you know, for sale section, and across all levels, not only the, you know, the top end of the market like we're doing here or the middle end of the markets, uh, but all sections of the market need to be activated. All right. Peter Collins, Ali Rohn, thank you very much. Okay, that's pretty much it from Inside Business for this week. My thanks to Ali Rohn and Peter Collins of Kennedy Wilson. The show was produced and edited by Declan Conlon, who doubled up as a sound engineer in Capital Dock. My thanks to him. Before we go, I'd like to tell you about a live podcast we're planning. One of the biggest issues facing Irish workers and employers in the coming years is the problem of funding our pensions. The government's decision to introduce auto-enrolment is coming down the tracks, but there's no guarantee that this will solve the problem. So who will be the winners and losers from this? Will this move guarantee? adequate coverage for private sector employees? And will low-paid workers be able to afford it? These and other questions will be answered by a panel of experts at a live recording of Inside Business at 7pm on Tuesday, February 12th. The event will take place in Irish Life headquarters in Dublin city centre. And if you'd like to come along, please email us at businesspodcast at irishtimes.com as we have a limited number of free tickets to give away. In the meantime, remember you can follow the latest business news from Ireland and abroad by following our coverage via irishtimes.com forward slash business or from our daily Twitter and Facebook feeds. Until next time, take care.